One thing I can't get enough of as a people leader is feedback. Do you love feedback as much as I do? If so, please consider writing a review of All Hands and rate us wherever you listen. I think listening is key. If you think you've listened enough, you probably should go back and listen again. And I think listening helps to shape your strategy because you need to have a people first strategy in order to have a great culture. Welcome back to season two of All Hands, brought to you by Lattice. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. If you were with us last season, you know we focused on sitting down with C-level execs to chat about how people strategy is good business strategy. But this season, we're doubling down. We're not only talking to CEOs and founders, but a wide range of people leaders, from heads of people to chief diversity and inclusion officers, to really get into some of their core practices, principles, and beliefs when it comes to putting your people first. Today, we have the privilege of chatting with Sherry Eaton, Peloton's Senior Vice President and Global Head of People. Sherry has an impressive career leading teams at some of the world's most recognizable household brand names in the retail, grocery, and tech industries, including Starbucks, Tavana, and Amazon. Now overseeing all of the people and culture teams at Peloton, Shari has only just recently transitioned into the HR field, but her background in operational leadership has allowed her to seamlessly move into this new career of building teams and supporting people. Peloton's culture is notoriously strong, both with their employees and their member community. Members across the globe have experienced this incredible sense of belongingness through their products. And today, I'd like to explore how that translates internally. Sherry, welcome to All Hands. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I am so curious to learn more about you, your journey into HR, and what the future of work at Peloton looks like. So let's start at the very beginning. Can you please share a little bit about how your career has taken shape over the last several years? What did you do before landing this this seemingly dream HR role? Sure. Yeah. I mean, my journey started um, quite a while ago, but in um, in retail operations, I actually worked for Starbucks when uh, Starbucks was actually not even a known entity uh, here uh, where I am on the East Coast. I grew my career at Starbucks over a period of uh, 15 years and in different departments, everything from company operated uh, operations to licensed store operations. Um, I worked on some of our emerging businesses like Tivana. And then I actually made a shift uh, to go work for Amazon and help them to also open up physical retail stores and physical grocery stores, tech stores, um, really kind of leveraging, you know, my expertise in retail. Uh, One of the things that I've always been passionate about is people people, purpose, brands that do great work. And so um, having that passion and, and that brand love for me is critically important. And that's that's really what led me to Peloton. That That is such a fun journey. And those are some pretty impressive logos. But more importantly, it sounds like some really incredible experiences at, at the early phases of, of those companies really kind of taking flight from a people perspective, from a culture perspective. Before we jump into uh, the the real kind of meat of the conversation, For our audience, is there anything else that you would like them to know about your identity? 
Well, I think it comes through every once in a while in in my speech, but I am uh, from Massachusetts, uh, so so that Boston accent creeps in once in a while. Um, <laughs> I I am someone who uh, grew up um, loving spending time and summers on Cape Cod, which I'm enjoying doing uh, this summer as well uh, with my family. Um, and one of the things that I think is a, a sort of a ritual that I've built over the years is just really kind of believing in Sunday as family day. I think my parents sort of um, had a lot to do with that. So I love to ensure that my my two girls, my dogs, my husband and I spend Sundays together, sometimes extended family. And and, and literally, I will do anything if my if my kids need me in a crisis. I'll I'll drop whatever I'm doing to make sure that they that they're taken care of. But uh, a lot of it revolves around food. My husband and I met in the restaurant business. Nice. Uh, my husband spent the entirety of his career in the food industry. And so we're always planning our next incredible meal surrounded by family, food. Um, now that we're part-time residents on Cape Cod, we're constantly searching for the best, freshest seafood, always working yeah. to find that exceptional culinary experience. I even have my own uh, sort of top 10 list of lobster rolls, just like Yankee Magazine does. So yes. uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. And I'm so happy that, that your family is able to spend that time out uh, on the Cape this summer. I'd love to talk a little bit more about your background and and that transition into HR, if you wouldn't mind. Some of my absolute favorite people and culture role models come from a background that, that's similar to yours and that I what I would call uh, or someone called non-traditional or not classically trained. You know, you, you didn't go to school straight out of out of high school and into college saying I'm going to be an HR professional. So I, I'm very curious, like what about your experience leading up to Peloton do you think has served you well in this function, having this transition? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's this passion for service that you either have or you don't have. And I certainly have it, again, starting in the restaurant business very early um, in my in my life. And as you think about being, you know, a leader of leaders, and as I grew up at, at Starbucks, one of the things that I really began to understand is like, people work for people. And it doesn't matter if you have the the best uh, company culture or if you have the best amenities, right? But it's really about the care for people that that makes people stay um, in their in their jobs. And I learned really early that I love watching people grow and develop and be their best selves and go on to do awesome things. And so um, I think you're in a great position to do that when you're an operations leader. Now, mm. as my career uh, grew and I had opportunities to do things like joining an emerging business that didn't have processes built out or working with Amazon and some of their very small you know, units where you had to get very scrappy and creative, I had the opportunity to work side by side with HR leaders building out talent reviews, thinking about how are we going to grow and, and, and develop our people? What does it look like from a performance management standpoint? And so I think there was sort of this best of both worlds around leading people and leading large teams and then also having this opportunity to build and create and develop uh, HR practices in each of those those businesses. So that's really what led me to making the career change, I was having a really great 
uh, conversation with my leader and we were talking about what, hey, what's next? You know, what do you, what's next for you on the journey? What are you thinking about? How are you thinking about developing this year? And she actually mentioned, you know, hey, I, I really could see you um, as an HR leader, you know, here. And I, I was a little taken back. I was like, really? You, you think so? <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, she's like, Sherry, it's, it's actually more akin to what you do than you think. Um, mm-hmm. There's an operational component and a process component, the way that you care for people, the way that you really, you know, you, you, you dive into the people aspects of your role. And so I really, really started to think about that. And um, when the Peloton opportunity came around, I did some soul searching. I thought about what are the things that get me out of bed every day? And generally those are like building process, which I knew I, w- I would have to do at Peloton because it was such a young company, and mm-hmm. then caring for people. And at the core of it, that's what you really do, right? Now, the the technical aspects of it, and sure, you know, getting some training and schooling, and I did I did a lot of that. I went to, yeah. back to Cornell and took some courses there, and particularly in the areas that I felt least comfortable. And and then with all of that, I'm just enjoying every moment. I just feel like my you know, 25 plus years in operations just really led me to this moment where I could do do what I what I'm really passionate about doing. Having followed a similar path and journey, it was I don't feel like I picked HR. I feel like HR picked me. Uh, I mean, that that's that's a very passive way of saying it, um, because it was much more intentional than that. Once I had that same moment that you did, where someone pointed out to me and said, hey, I think you're wired for this. And I was like, really? Huh. And I began to investigate it and I, I did the exact same thing. I was like, well, there's a pretty big hole for me over here. There's a pretty big gap around, you know, compliance and the, the legalities of things. And um and I did the same thing. I, I went I went back to school and started focusing on those areas. And and so I, I love that you did the exact same thing. It, it really kind of paints a, a, a more full picture. And then the real learning is on the ground. The real opportunity is when you can say, oh, right, that is so akin to this thing that I did back when I was at Starbucks or back when I was leading this particular team or we were launching that particular thing. Um, and you can kind of draw from your your years of experience, which absolutely ladder up to to this work in a really lovely way. I think I was two months in. I called her back and I said, OK, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I totally understand where where you were where you were coming from. What was her reaction? She's like, I knew it. I just I just <laughs> knew you had to get in there to your earlier point, and you had to experience it, and you had to then gain some confidence and understand that this was so akin to what you were doing that you just didn't you just didn't realize it. And so so now tell me a little bit more. So aside from this, uh, you know, you you were pointed in the right direction from someone that, you know, a leader that cared about you a lot that you, it sounds like you had a trusted relationship with. And, and it sounds like you had this intellectual curiosity around wanting to try this work and wanting to check this work out. But talk to me about the actual Peloton opportunity. Was it uh, the, the industry or the opportunity to try this role? Or was it this particular opportunity that really made you kind of take the leap? Yeah, it was this particular opportunity. I was approached around my first role at Peloton was VP of People Operations, um, which involved uh, oversight of the People Business Partnership function, which was very small when I started, um, and uh, and safety and security, which was was kind of right up my alley based on the fact that, that I'd um, certainly not not led it, but had a lot of experience with that in operations. And it seemed like the right balance of 
people operations and operations, you know, work with safety and security that um, would be a good first step for me into the HR world. One of the things that I did, because again, for me, it's about it's about passion and purpose and people, is I watched this uh, podcast that John Foley, our CEO, had put together called, uh, well, he was on this, How I Built This Podcast. Yeah, And yeah, that guy, particular yeah. segment just inspired me to be part of the culture. I just, I listened, I felt this super strong connection to it um, just because of the values that I have. Um, I thought, wow, this is a place where we really foster people. We care about people. Um, we want people to thrive. John always says, come here and paint your masterpiece and be the best version of yourself, which is, you know, um, our mission. And I, I, that really connected with me. So it really drew me, it drew me to the company and the opportunity. Let's go back in time just a little bit. So how many, so when you took on that first role, how many full-time employees did Peloton have? Oh gosh, I think all up, we were probably around 2,500 total employees. And on the people team, I love to tell the story, September 2019, we had 33 people, most of them recruiters on the people team. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> and and so then now, now bring us to today, what is your full-time headcount and then specifically your people team too? Yeah, we so we've, we've grown ex- exponentially. The people team where we started was more of this like generalist model, you know, mm-hmm. where you had a, a support uh, system in, you know, our HQ. And really they were everything from people business partnership to communications, right, to your your shared services function. And so what I focused on in my role was sort of growing uh, the people business partnership arm of this to really be that strategic, you know, working with our business leaders, which we didn't have. So kind of building that, you know, the first few hires that you make are so critical. I hired a really great people business partner. I hired a really great safety and security leader and really kind of invested um, in those folks to help grow out those two areas. And might I add, just in time on the safety front for the pandemic. Right. So really then the focus was like, okay, how do we develop our COEs, our centers of excellence and and really, you know, talent development, talent management, people experience, and really um, employer brand uh, change management. And so that's been the work of the last, say, year-ish is really mm-hmm. trying to delineate sort of this more COE model where we have comp and Ben folks, talent management folks, and then PVPs sort of on the delivery model. And um, that's been that's been really great work, really fun work that I've that I've enjoyed. You know, we had a really big year last year. The people team is right around 170 ish folks right now. Holy Um, moly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really crazy. (laughs) Really awesome. Yeah. How many full time employees total are you now? Oh, and total total employees somewhere around nine thousand employees yeah. right now. There's nothing more tragic than hearing about a very very large organization with a very small people team, or to your point, your your first point of you know largely recruiters. It breaks my heart. So I'm glad to hear you have a, a good and healthy and and strong team in place. Let let's get a little bit deeper into Peloton's values, um, something that you all are known very much for and something that we've featured on on this show 
so far this season have been a lot of brands that have their external values are their internal values, where they are leading the not just their their product and their brand marketing, but it, it's also very much demonstrating and showcasing what they what we value and and what you value as a company and as a, as a team. And one of one of the values that stands out to me is uh, together we go far. And and so much so that it's something that instructors will actually often say in in class, right? And so I'm curious if you could explain a little bit why, a little bit more about why this value is important to share uh, with not just your your users but your employees. How does this show up in action? Sure. I mean, before joining Peloton, I didn't I didn't know right that the word itself actually means a group of cyclists that ride together and go far. And so, the together we go far value is just such a great metaphor for what what we actually do as well. In a Peloton, some people may take the lead at some points. Some might have to take a recovery ride, and some people push forward, um, and then the person will take a recovery ride as well. So we're all about that community passionate about impact and and making sure that we're being challenging and supporting in all in all that we do. So together we go far really is about encouraging everyone to have a voice really and draw out the best in people. It really means inclusion to us as well, right? So we we embrace mm-hmm. diversity, equity and inclusion in all forms and all views and experiences uh, are we're open to all of that um, that are different from our own. So together we go far means that we recognize we recognize that, right? And we win and work together. We want to work shoulder to shoulder, we have each other's backs. We're a highly collaborative uh, company in terms of our culture. We work cross-functionally a lot, uh, offering different points of view throughout. Um, and we really leverage that diverse ex- expertise that we have to make sure that we play, you know, to people's strengths. So together we go far, you know, really make sure that we have this ongoing open dialogue we ensure that we can champion this culture of inclusivity, but we also make sure that we debate, decide, and then let's mm-hmm. go. So sort of one of our, our sub-values here is like this obligation to dissent and listen. Mm-hmm. And we uphold that to make sure that we don't have social cohesion. Um, so I really love this value. It's super meaningful, um, especially since we're moving at a pretty intense pace right now. And it right. helps to ground us in, in who we are and what we're, what we're trying to accomplish. It really speaks to kind of how I see the Peloton culture showing up and that translation between the outside and the inside. Yeah, for example, you all do not shy away from making statements or making commitments around, you know, many of the things that, that are important to our employees and important to our users, uh, especially at this particular moment in history. You know, you're, you're talking about Juneteenth, you're talking about um, AAPI heritage, LGBTQIA plus rights. Peloton always has has a voice and, and is out there. I, again, not just from a, a, you know, change your company logo on uh, on LinkedIn to have the right color for the month, uh, but really making statements, making commitments and and taking it even further than that, really aligning with your your users. So I'm curious from your perspective, why do you think that's so important to include your users in, you know, something that could be considered just something that you should be doing for your employees? Yeah, you just mentioned something. It's it's really this work from the inside out, right? So we've had diversity and inclusion in our DNA 
forever, right? And we know that we're just beginning this journey as a public company, but really we're using it to build the foundation for that diverse, inclusive, welcoming place to work, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you think about it, the the team member experience really fuels the member experience, right? Like you'll never be better. You'll never be better on the member side than you are on the team member side, right? And really our values reflect that and the commitment that we have to working together to really achieve that potential. As we grow, we like to bring awareness to things that can bring us together. You know, together we go far. And, you know, celebrating and and bringing awareness to Juneteenth and APA heritage and LGBTQ rights. And those are all the things that are are just like, they're just part of the fabric of who we are. Um, And it makes it um, our shared responsibility, I think, to make sure that we're celebrating and recognizing cultural moments from that inside out. It's something we do every year. It's not just a month. It's like a, it's a completely the grounded belief that we have um, in how we should uh, work together to be, you know, the best place to work. And so that's really, that's really sort of the, the genesis of that. You know, we've, we've done a lot around the human rights campaign in the corporate equality index for two years in a row now we've been named as like a hundred percent perfect score that means a lot to us um, because it really shows that we're setting the the standard for what that what that looks like in corporate policies and practices i yeah i think it's very very commendable uh congratulations on that perfect score that is very very hard to do so uh congratulations to you and the team on that for sure you you've joined not only a new company but a new role, uh, you know, a new job for yourself at a really interesting time in history, uh, unbeknownst to you, I, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you, you, yes. st- you stepped into this. <laughs> I this had no crystal role. ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you're like, great, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to try out this, this passion, follow my intellectual curiosity. And then boom, 2020 un- unravels in a way that, uh, yeah, none of us expected at all. I would love to just kind of hear from from your perspective. What did that feel like uh, for you? How did that show up in your work? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was kind of what you said. It was, it, hey, I'm starting this new job with this new company. It's September 2019. What could go wrong, right? And um, I actually am so thankful that I had the opportunity between September and say February to spend a lot of time getting out into our sites and meeting with our team members. It was so invaluable, you know, going to warehouses at six o'clock in the morning and doing, you know, their stand-ups with them, talking to them while they load their vans, going to retail stores and spending time with the team, spending time in our member support center in in Plano, Texas, and just spending time with our corporate teams in New York. It it was really great because it, it helped me to create and conduct an assessment of where we were where we needed to evolve um, our people functions, then COVID hit, right? So Mm -hmm. we really had to accelerate the timeline and shift our priorities, obviously, like every other uh, company needed to and HR leaders needed to. So really the challenge, you know, every organization has a challenge in scale, but when you scale as rapidly as we did during COVID, it's it's a matter of like making sure you can get your team to, to be caught up to your our earlier point about staffing. Like I put like a full court press on making sure that we were 
hiring and getting those centers of excellence up and running so that we could really support the team. I mean, literally, I think the function where I spent most of my time early in the pandemic was on the EHS front, environmental yeah. health and safety. You know, we we literally had a, a very huge challenge ahead of us. Luckily, I had hired a couple of people to support, yeah. um, um, but really needed to make sure that we could rapidly create strong practices and programs to support the safety of the team. And I think the pandemic has taken so many different hills and, and valleys. You know, we were in sort of the crisis moment of this is happening to us. What can we do? How do we pivot and make sure that all of our team members are safe and make sure that we can make everyone able to be productive? And then we went into the place where it was like, okay, now everyone's a little too productive. <laughs> um, right. We need to look at our work-life <laughs> harmony, uh, particularly yeah. in our corporate team members that were working from home and sort of that those lines between working in an office and uh, are, are gone. And so that was another test and a challenge, really listening intently to what our team members were sharing were the biggest barriers. Um, we, re we worked really hard to institute work-life harmony norms, uh, how to protect your time, making sure we challenged meetings, creating more accountability around developing racy models and decision-making models mm -hmm. and ensuring that our teams actually took their PTO fully. Yeah, and normalized doing that in a in a pandemic, right? And so we had to increase our team members' support for their families, access to mental health services, yeah. resources for family care. So it, you know, it was it was really just an all hands on deck around how do we make sure we can react to every need that was different than it was just a month ago with our team members. Yeah. I love that you you say you were seeking harmony, you know, after kind of that that initial shock and 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 spike of, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Um, and ensuring safety and th those basic human needs moving into and adapting and evolving into that space of, of rebalance and trying to find that harmony on the team and, and, and surfacing the needs of every individual. It, it doesn't help. And I, this is a good problem to have uh, your your product skyrocketed. Home gyms became became the norm, became the need. Your product itself became a perk, became a benefit, uh, became something that people needed and were desperately seeking. And so I can imagine what that did to production cycles and manufacturing and, and the teams that had to support and sell and, and shipping and all of the logistics that I know, frankly, squat about. Uh, and I'm sure you know now very well. What was that like on the, just the, the pressure from needing to produce this for, for people and taking care of your members and, and all of the new members who were subscribing. What was that like? Yeah. And I was asked to take on the rest of the people team during this time as well. Right. So I, yeah. <laughs> I I moved from my 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 original VP role to an SVP role. Um, and of course, you know, onboarding and recruiting and fi finding the right the right folks and evolving your recruiting practices during COVID was certainly something that um, that we focused really heavily on. We wanted to make sure that as we brought in uh, new people into the organization, like how are we going to create? Like again, I shared with you, I had those few months to to actually get to be in person with yeah. with people, and 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 so I think that was one of the one of the biggest I think achievements that we had is that we were able to bring in so many new people build out so many new functions, keep our operations running and safe, um, all while, again, just scaling so rapidly 
we were able to even improve our onboarding experience. We took it from a, a one day, we call it the warm up. So of course we would call it the <laughs> <Yeah>. warm up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we took it from a one day experience to a two day facilitated plus just in time learning experience. And the greatest feeling was when I would connect with people that were new in the organization, I would be like, how do we do? Like, how was it? Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, it was so fantastic. And these are people that were coming from very large companies that yeah. we were bringing into, you know, our tech space and our supply chain space. And they they had nothing but just really fantastic raving reviews of the experience. So that felt really good. Um, and I'm so proud of our teams for acting so quickly and really responding to what team members needed. Um, and then, yeah, on our on our distribution side, we grew really in a, in a big way and it put, you know, it definitely put our leaders to the test. But um, I just feel like they led in such a people first way. They did such a great job of ensuring that, you know, we could take care of folks. They felt safe coming to work, that we modified our operations. We started delivering our bikes at the threshold, right, instead of bringing mm -hmm. it into people's homes. Um, and we've gone through multiple iterations of like what that looks like, right? Presentation, no presentation, threshold in room of choice. And yeah, so- yeah. You're right. I am an expert right now in our in our logistics <laughs> operations, <laughs> having having you know worked with my team on on in, ensuring we had all of those safety SOPs for for our team. And, and so that actually brings me to my next question, which is, where are you all settling out? You know, it's not like you. It's not like a. a a software company where you have one office and and it's all knowledge workers and they can they can all work from home no problem. You have so many different types of employees that are showing up to work and need to show up to work in different ways. Where are you all kind of settling out or settling in uh, with you know return to office? Um, because I the the big assumption here is that some of your folks never left their office or their place of work. So absolutely. what does it look like? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you said it so well, you know, we're not a one size fits all company. And that's actually been one of our true North statements throughout the pandemic. And so we can't have a one size fits all solution for our company. The majority of our non-corporate team members have worked through the pandemic. I also should mention like our retail teams are just amazing. They actually when we went to shelter in place, they couldn't work, right? Retail locations were shut down. They actually went into their homes. We got them set up with technology and they actually worked inside sales um, from their homes, working from home until we were able to open up our retail. Nice. Um, and we were able to keep everyone working, everyone productive, which was fantastic. There's no one, one size solution. Um, however, because our corporate team members can work from home, certainly we can't do that with our logistics teams and mm -hmm. you know our retail teams. We have been very slow and very cautious on return to office because it's just not necessary, right? We do believe, and part of our culture is we do like to be in person, and we are um, really looking forward to having, you know, some kind of full return to to office at some point. Um, but we've been taking it slow. Um, we we as soon as we were able to in different parts of the country. So our main hub is in New York City, but we also have Plano and 
Atlanta, California, and certainly London, as soon as we were able to, we we did get our most critical teams working, right? So our research and development teams, our product teams, some of our supply chain teams, teams that really benefit from working together. And of course, my EHS team put together wonderful practices and procedures so that everyone is staying safe and following all the protocols. Yeah. So we have had a, a small amount of folks working. And then most recently, as we were looking, like we were going in a good trend here, we actually opened up a couple of floors in our brand new office in New York City, which is really gorgeous. And we invited uh, folks voluntarily if you wanted to come in, to come in. And we were just starting to get there when the most recent you know, um, trends in the Delta variant uh, hit. And so we're taking it cautiously. Um, we are not doing a full mandatory back to work. Now uh, we have a strongly encouraged return to work on, in mid-October right now. But again, mm-hmm. we're just going to keep doing what we did all year, last two years really long is look at our benchmarks, follow CDC, see what our states are doing, and really just do our, our best our best work to get folks back to work. We also have um, improved the flexibility that we had. I mean, like a lot of companies, we were like a real office, like from a, a corporate perspective, we were just a real office, you know, heavy culture, like everyone went to the office and that's just how work was really done. Um, other than of course, our retail teams and our, our leaders that would travel from site to site. And so now there's there's like there's flexible options, right? I think you have to have some flexibility. We have a hybrid option for our team members. We have an on-site option for folks that just want to go back to the way it was, and then we have remote options for for folks that can do their work remotely. So um, we've already put that flexible working policy in place, and it's really just a matter of executing it when when things are safe safe to do so. You know, outside looking in now that I'm I'm not an operator anymore, um, hands on on the on the daily and and watching this debate, I'm here in San Francisco and and watching the debate of you know the companies that are insistent that everyone come back, and and to your you used the perfect word when you were describing it, it's not necessary for some roles. It's just it's it's not a critical part of getting your work done. And if if the last year and a half hasn't proven that to you, what are you holding on to? Right. And so I, what I'm hearing in in your approach is all about agility, flexibility, um, adaptation and really honoring the needs of the individuals. Uh, I, I know that you've said it a few times. I'm going to say it again. This one size does not fit all. Does it require more work? Absolutely. Does it require more resources? Absolutely. Is it worth it? One hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, we we certainly again, it's it is a sort of paradox because we do believe that we're great when we're together and we have missed each other. I actually went into the office, I think, three or four weeks ago when we first opened a couple of floors because I wanted to get a tour. I also oversee workplace. And so it was so good to see people. I mean, it was just fantastic. But, you know, you have to balance all of that with flexibility and and care for people and making sure you're making the right decision, so. I could not have said it better myself. Well, Sherry, this brings us to the rapid fire section of the interview. Are you ready to try to to move uh, and think very quickly with me? I will do my very best. So this is how it works. I'm I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. Uh, The first few will be a warm up, and then they might take you a little bit more processing, but I, I know you've got this. So don't overthink it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. What is your favorite Peloton class? I love to take the 80s or 90s bike classes. I love the music. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you can't go wrong. <laughs> awesome. Do you or do you not still uh, get upset when people say large over venti? Yes, 100%. And my daughter works for Starbucks. So we're just like Starbucks, <laughs> Starbucks for life over here. Okay, looking at the desk in front of you, what item sitting there sparks joy for you and why? Well, um, a lot of things spark joy for me, but right now I have this uh, mentorship program that I've been working on with the Women's Alliance. I'm I'm an executive sponsor of the Women's Alliance, and this is a book that I've used throughout my whole career. It's called, uh, for Lois J. Zachary, it's called The Mentor's Guide. I used it as the basis for the uh, Women's Alliance mentorship program that we just launched, so that gives me a lot of joy. I, I have not heard of that book. I will go check it out. Okay. Uh, Next question. What is your favorite productivity hack and why? Favorite productivity hack. I would say I've just, I've just learned about this Slack tool called Clockwise. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but essentially your whole team can join it and it, it creates focus time for you and it blocks out your lunch and it can automatically move your meetings around your, your regular meetings around. And I've, I'm only a couple of weeks into it and I just absolutely love it. Nice. I love that. Truth be told, I asked that question for myself. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my <laughs> gaining <product>. insight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this, is, this is me taking advantage of, of the, the beautiful brains I get to talk with these days. Okay, those were the easy ones. Are you ready for ones that might be a little bit more challenging? Sure. Okay. Company culture, family or sports team and why? I think family. I think family because a family doesn't always agree, but a family will ultimately, because they love each other, find a path forward. And I think that's a little bit of that sort of like dissent and listen uh, mm-hmm. culture value that I was sharing with you at Peloton. And I think when I think of I think of Peloton and our and our instructors say it a lot. You know, our community is family. Our team is family. Um, so I think I think that resonates with me. It speaks to the together we go far as well. Okay, one tactical thing that leaders or HR teams can do today to support hybrid and flexible work. They can think about how they are going to logistically um, support a hybrid work in force in their sites. And this is tactical. So how, what does that experience look like? Do you have a desk? Do you hot desk? Do you have a place to put your things? You know, so I think it's all about what is, it's great to say you're going to have a hybrid environment, but now you have to figure out like, what is that, what does that journey look like for that person when they come to work every day? And is it different than someone who's there five days a week? Is it different than a remote individual? What are some of the commonalities that they share? So I think figuring out those personas of each Mm -hmm. of your worker types and, and really making like a, we call it a day in the life journey of what that looks like and literally making a day in the life journey is really, I think it really will help our, our teams come back to the office in the, in the manner that they're, they're choosing or, you know, to come back. That's excellent. That's a very empathetic approach to, to building a program like that. I, I appreciate that. Okay. One last rapid fire. When was the last time you were deeply proud of something you have accomplished? 
that's a that is like such a hard question, isn't it? I know. Um, I know. It's such great a leaders hard often question. have a hard time taking a moment. And so this is this is my chance to help you reflect on that. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll go back to what we talked about in terms of the COVID response. You know, when that happened, I said to my safety and security leader, I said, I think that you and I should just block ourselves out and put ourselves into like a war room, like no meetings and just and just be there for people that they can come and they can go. And as time, things change and legal needs to talk to us or ops needs to talk to us or international needs to talk to us, we're just available for people. And I'm proud of doing that and, and having that moment where we just said nothing else kind of matters. And I think that it really led to really great outcomes and collaboration and really helped our, our company move forward. So I will say I that moment was, it, it felt it felt like we were doing the right thing. I, it sounds like you did. Cherry, I I cannot even begin to put myself in your shoes, uh, you know, adopting and, and inheriting this uh, this group of people and people leaders in, in a time that no one had the right answer to. You know, there, there was no playbook here for us, for, for any of us. And uh, I would be proud if I were you too. And I'm sure your team is also very proud of you and proud to work for Peloton uh, because it sounds like you all have, have come a very long way and as gracefully as you possibly could have. Um, and that's large in part to your leadership. So before we wrap it up here, I have one last and final question for you. What advice would you give to founders and people leaders out there trying to make sense of this particular moment in history? How can they use this as an opportunity to build a better organization into this next chapter? Yeah, I mean, I think listening is key, you know, and if you think you've listened enough, you probably should go back and listen again. And I and we've challenged ourselves to do that. You know, you can say, well, I did the survey and they said this, you know, six months ago. Well, what are they saying now? Like, what are the needs of your your team members now? Because I think when team members feel like you are listening and you are acting on their their feedback, then you have you have engaged team members, engaged employees. And I think in this moment in time, you can't do that enough and you can't have enough um, vectors for communication and listening. And maybe sometimes it's not just all the traditional channels. Recently, our CEO, our chief content officer, our chief DNI, they all had this wonderful meeting with our hourly team members in, in our warehouses and just talked about what's on everyone's mind. We've held multiple listening sessions for our team members on everything from, you know, the moment with the George Floyd murders all the way through COVID and dealing, you know, with the ups and downs of the pandemic. And I think listening helps to shape your your strategy because you need to have a people first strategy um, in order to be to have a great culture. So that would be that'd be my very simple and humble advice. <laughs> I think it's fantastic advice. And I hope that our listeners uh, take you up on that because I, I could not agree anymore. <laughs> so thank you for for ending on that, that beautiful note and that beautiful uh, word of advice. Sherry, I am so anxious for our listeners to hear your story and to, to take you up on some of this incredibly helpful and tactical advice. So thank you again for joining us on All Hands. It's been a real pleasure. So thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin. It's been great.
Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of All Hands, brought to you by Lattice. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. This episode was produced by Lattice in partnership with Pond People, Rachel King, Madison Lesby, and Samantha Gatsik. Learn more about how Lattice can help your business stay people-focused at Lattice.com or find us on Twitter at LatticeHQ. Don't forget to subscribe to All Hands wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time.